0: Again, 20,000 people have disappeared in Alaska since 1970. And now this is a massive number when you take into consideration how big the population in Alaska is. It materializes and with all these lights
1: and they're trying to be quiet. He said, if you make any noises,
0: this thing is going to go ballistic. Twigs snapping, anything. We're not just talking about ships arriving from the skies now we're talking about potential bases underneath the water that these craft are coming out from but you know the question is what the heck is going on in alaska john how you doing hey doing good
1: doing good, good.
0: Yeah, um, you know, I am not sure if we found a part of the world that isn't weird. Um, It seems like every time we start looking into any old state or town or could be place in Europe, could be anywhere we look, there is a ton of weird stuff going on. And Alaska is a very, very strange place. I mean, John, did you... I don't know if you knew this, but since 1970, about 20,000 people have disappeared in Alaska.
1: Whoa, that's, wait. how does that work out up against the population? I mean, are we talking about people who've gone to visit? Are we talking about like general population? Because as far as I know, Alaska is not that populated. That's a lot of people. And then, and then, and then it makes me think like, what are the statistics on other states? As far right. as missing people go.
0: Right. I mean, we're, we're, I don't have statistics on like how that compares to the national average in other places. And I think a lot of people are like, well, it's Alaska. Like it's probably the, it's got the worst weather or, you know, the coldest weather. It's very treacherous in Alaska, you know, very dangerous place. But we're not hearing of Canadians going missing that much. And, uh, you know, well, you like, know, there is there is the thing
1: about um Canadian native women missing. Actually, a lot of native native women have gone missing, so much so that there are um grassroots groups popping up in order to try to understand what's going on, where are they going, who's taking them, et cetera, et cetera. And I know that at least part of that is coming out of Canada too. Really? Yeah, it's a big deal. It's actually a big deal. You if you do a search on it, you'll find institutes like uh, trying to figure out what's going on and, you know, charities for the families and stuff like that, because they just like up and disappear. And the the um, percentage is way higher than any other race. Yeah, I
0: think we're going to need to do a show on that. We will. We had
1: viewed that. Yes, we viewed that really. Oh, yeah.
0: All right, well, well we can't later, man. Yeah. <laughs> we have a whole lot of weird plan for you guys in this episode. Yeah. Never mind what John just said, but it has to relate to some of the stuff that we're going to talk about here. I mean, again, 20,000 people have disappeared in Alaska since 1970. And now this is a massive number when you take into consideration how big the population in Alaska is. Right? Right? You, I mean, we're talking about okay. So I'm finding here where I'm looking right now that this is over double the national average. So we do have some statistics of people going missing. This is over it's double over the double? national average. Wow. Yeah. Right. And okay. you know,
1: I, you know, most people are just going to be well, yeah. Occam's razor. So it's 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 literally going to be weather, uh, bears, just getting lost. Yeah, but you know, I mean.
0: Okay, but we're talking about seven so the population of Alaska is about seven hundred and thirty-three thousand, give or take, a few people. Um, and it's not just people going missing that's really odd in terms of statistics, but we have a staggering sixty-five hundred reported UFO sightings in Alaska. Again,
1: this is like the other thing. It's like like when you get to UFO sightings, most sightings, obviously, for obvious reasons, occur in more populated areas because you need eyeballs in order to make the report. So that's a lot of UFO
0: sightings. Dude, that, no, that's for, not- for, for very little people. Okay. For very little people, you're talking about so many less people having to see whatever right. it is up in the sky and then go through the trouble of reporting it. Now, if you compare this to Florida- The amount of the amount of UFO sightings in Florida in 2015 was about 5100 from one source that I saw. This is less than Alaska, but we're talking about one of our most populated states in the entire country. Exactly right. Yeah. So it's like you have hundreds. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of thousands, millions more eyes on the skies in Florida, and we have that few sightings compared to Alaska, where we've got. 6,500 sightings and only 733,000 people there. Right. Right. And, and think about how many people aren't reporting stuff in Alaska because they're just like, people are going to think I'm crazy.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the the actual percentage of people who do reports, who put reports out or send reports, sorry, to MUFON or whomever um, is probably in the. Maybe lower than 10%, right?
0: right it's important to kind of qualify here that when we say a ufo sighting it doesn't mean alien craft it just means something people reported seeing in the sky that they do not recognize as normal air flight normal patterns of air flight that we see on a daily basis like planes helicopters and those things right and some of the sightings are are really weird and there's one here That I kind of want to go over. But you know, the question is what the heck is going on in Alaska? We know that there's a lot of like military bases in Alaska, right? Um, Obviously, there's a lot of military activity out there. We know that this is a strategical place for our military because of its proximity to, you know, China and Russia. Soviet Russia, most notably, is when they acquired Alaska. Right. So, you know, is it because of that that we're seeing so many UFOs or is there a correlation here between these things? Right. I mean, you have like thousands upon thousands and
1: whatever acres um, of land that's uninhabited in Alaska with which they could do whatever they want. You know, it's like it's like Nevada. I mean, like, what is it like? 75-ish percent of Nevada is owned by the federal government. And yeah. it's just so barren, open, and empty that nobody would want to really live spread out across Nevada anyway. So the government has so many... Have you ever driven through Nevada? Yeah, you probably have. Like, I have I Every time I drive through Nevada, because I'll take these crazy routes through Nevada that go in the middle of nowhere, I just get vibed out like you wouldn't believe on just... Weird stuff that's going on out there. Really? just you could feel it in the air, you know you could feel it in the air from uh basically probably black project sites at the very least at the very
0: least well in, in so, Nevada, yeah, is...
1: probably a lot of the same stuff,
0: yeah. and I mean, it's it, if you think about it, it's sort of like the other side of the same coin of as Nevada where Nevada is like barren desert. You've got in Alaska barren. You know, land, and yeah, it's so tundra, cold.
1: Tundra, tundra right? To, to, to the treat areas, yeah, right.
0: Okay, so um, we all know that that um, Roswell, the the crash that happened in Roswell, happened in um, 1947, right? I believe it was July 8th, 1947. Just the day after, on July 9th, 1947. Three teenage Anchorage girls, their names were Judy Kerr, Kerr, Vicky Novak, and Nancy Green, claimed to see what was a very strange disc-shaped object. Now this was above Elmendorf, which is an Air Force base. And oh. it, streaked, it streaked across the sky and then disappeared um to the south of that. Now, according to these girls, this ufo traveled at a great speed and was moving faster than ordinary planes these girls also claimed that it was smaller than any fighter plane and not a weather balloon they like singled out that it was not a weather balloon because they were familiar with weather balloons since they were all daughters of servicemen and past you know the time it's 1947 like watching flight operations right so these girls made this like documented ufo sighting and it's the day after the news breaks at roswell now this means one of two things one is everyone's freaked out after roswell and so a lot of people are making claims of ufos or there was a tremendous amount of activity in the sky after or around roswell and this was just one of the various you know um reported ufo activity that we have record of
1: right right and then what was it right what was it um that's that's interesting i i didn't know that there was a uh that early report an early report like that i mean i think it's like the modern the first modern modern sighting but this stuff's been going on for a long 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 time it's not it's just the modern sighting was kenneth arnold up in you know in washington state between mount rainier and mount adams right um where the term flying saucer came from and most most um most media <clears throat> like references that as being like the, the beginning of the saucer era, which is not true. Um, this stuff's been going on for a long time. And I'm surprised that there aren't more reports like this one. Um, I think we just get so caught up in, in the big ones, right? Because that's just what everyone talks about. And it's hard to dig deeper to find these ones that happened earlier, you know? But there's like, wow. I mean, what was a Texas airship thing? I think in the 1800s, like, big, right. you know, it's like, well, they thought it was a hot air balloon flying over um, or, yeah. a, or a blimp, I think, you know, and and what was one of these? It was a UFO. I mean, this stuff's been going on for a long time. You got it even in some depicted in some um, ancient paintings and woodcuts of like mm-hmm. UFO battles in the skies, like yeah. I Strasburg.
0: Um, yeah. So, well, yeah. across, across the Renaissance and then in India, never mind in India, where you right. got like a bunch of that stuff too, right? Records of it, weird, you know. Yeah, the bananas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah. you know what's strange too, John, is I actually had the – I would have said the same exact thing as you just said as I started looking into this. Like, why wasn't there a lot of – actually, what I found out is that there was a tremendous amount of reports – especially after Roswell, but all of our journalists have written them off as people being crazy because of it was sensational and Roswell just turned out to be a weather balloon and they got it wrong and all of this stuff. So none of it is considered as legit. And so no one really talks about it, but, but this um, claim by these Anchorage girls was one of like hundreds and hundreds that had come out all around the same time of a tremendous amount of what, seems like UFO activity all around the same time. Roswell just happened to be a crash. Now, what amazes me about some of these journalists is that they they don't consider our like our fellow human beings as having the ability to cover up something like this. They just think everyone's crazy. Like instead of being like, well, I don't I don't buy that. You know, you're, you're gonna as a journalist, you're gonna go kind of one of two ways. One is like people are crazy, and I don't believe any of them making these claims. Or two is I don't believe our media or our government, and there's something else going on here, which you'd think would be the path you'd want to first take before saying like all of these people are just making stuff up. Because right. I think, people, you mean? yeah,
1: you, you get into like um, Operation Mockingbird that began what in the nineteen late 1950s which was out of uh, the CIA, which was to base, and it was outed in the 1970s and Senate hearings were conducted around it, um, which was all, you know, just theater, a farce, but it was it was basically, the CIA was was employing journalists, taking and employing journalists, and, and they did it in these steps. And then the next thing they did after they were employing journalists um, was to take over heads of departments of, you know, CBS, Time Magazine, et cetera, et cetera. And so you have, since the 1950s and on, more and more and more control by the CIA of whatever narrative is going to be put out there. And basically all the news now. And then with the the Smith-Munt Modernization Act that Obama instituted, uh I can't remember the year pretty recently that just allowed it to open up completely 100% so all media now is is basically controlled 100% control so I find it really fascinating when you look at let's just say the term UAP versus UFO right the the whole thing was likely coming from the top down saying we have to treat we're treating the UFO phenomena these as crazy people and so that's the narrative right across the board and now they have to pull it away from crazy because they want to do something else with it on the social engineering side get it away from that ufo term because everybody associates that with crazy because that's what we wanted them to associate with now we have to turn it to something else more serious so we're going to call them uaps and now the media is like the uap phenomena is upon us this is a very serious matter yeah right they flipped overnight why? Because the Pentagon, like, released some videos of it? No, man, this is this is coming from a different area. There's there's another agenda behind putting out the term UAP versus just keeping UFO. They want people to step into a serious side with it so they can manipulate that now.
0: That's a really, really interesting point, because I myself had been wondering, like, why change the name like that? Yeah. Is it it just to get away from the baggage of of Just to get away from the baggage that they created around it? But then you're you're essentially creating a new set of baggage with a new term. Oh, yeah. And and also it seems like that itself is a psychological operation just to. Change it up a little bit. Right, I mean, yeah. a, almost like to to start over, and it's like, oh, the, this UFO stuff never happened. Let's start it over. Or, I, right. I don't know, you know.
1: But you know, here's the funny thing: is that when you get to, oh, people say, well, the government's investigating it now, when they hadn't in the past, but they had done it in the past, and there's so much documentation. <clears throat> I mean, Project Blue Book with J. Allen Hynek for one, the Air Force uh, on their on the public level. Hynek later on when he when he st- ended the program when they ended the program talked openly about his interactions with the air force and how difficult it was and how they would give him the narrative to push and not the other way around so for instance there was uh, a whole town like hundreds of people were having these regular sightings of craft landing they saw aliens etc etc jl and hynek goes out there to investigate for um for project blue book And they're telling him all about it. He's like, wow, this is interesting. He's very interested in it. He gets a phone call. It's somebody higher up from the Air Force. Telling him that he's got to arrange a press conference now. So he arranges a press conference, stands up there in front and said that it was swamp gas. Right. (laughs) So this is they were telling him what to say. Right. Right. So they have been investigating and covering it for a long time and you have so many ufo investigators not just ufo investigators but people who investigate the uh, anti-gravity the propulsion side whether it's like the government doing it military doing it or what type of propulsion these craft use and then try to replicate it there are so many people that get killed because they mysteriously die because of this I mean look at mark mcclandish M- mcclandish i think his name was I mean, this guy was a, a illustrator for um, aerospace companies, right? Mm-hmm. And he was also he would also do it for magazines and stuff. And and I guess you know these guys would be invited to these sort of classified air shows, right? And he was going to go to one with a friend of his. Instead, he couldn't make it. and His friend went, and his friend got caught up in a different part of the air show where it was like top secret Uh-oh. Um, air show right so they had their classified then they had the top secret and he wasn't supposed to be in there but what they had in there were what the general who was presenting it called um, arvs alien mm-hmm. reproduction vehicles and they were hovering three of them and he had the most astounding experience of being able to go in the craft see everything and then he went back and told mark mcclandish i think his name was and mark drew all sorts of schematics and diagrams of these things right Mm. so there was a documentary done about this whole thing and how these things can travel faster than light speed um that the military had been developing them since maybe the 1950s because this was you know Um, I think this happened in the 1970s, I think. right, And and so basically, there was a documentary made about this. The filmmaker, right around the time of the documentary, young guy, all of a sudden gets a terminal cancer and dies within three months. And Mark McClandish commits suicide. Mm -hmm. So anytime anybody gets close to the propulsion side, that's it. Like, like you can talk about crazy aliens and UFOs till the cows come home. But the moment you start going into the propulsion systems and get close to it, yeah. no, no. You cannot go there. And and I've seen this with remote viewing projects where where I can talk about the crazy stuff like alien bases on the on the moon, on the planet, yeah. taking women and children, putting them in a whatever, man. With with military involved, you, you know human military involved and i can talk about that stuff and not get in trouble the moment that we remote view something that gets into a technical aspect about something is when a warning comes
0: well because that's directly related to weapon systems that's the issue i think is we're talking about you would you you could argue that that would be among the most classified of information that we have because we're talking about weapons of Mass protection and/or destruction, right? Exactly. So that's going to be the most protected, I would imagine. But that's yeah. really—it's like it is. It's like you start talking about any anything like alien bases, alien planets, and it's like who care? Who cares? You're just going to look he crazy. You're just another crazy.
1: crazy person.
0: Yeah, yeah. you're just going to look like a crazy person. But if we start talking about technology,
1: you're discrediting yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah. Which is how they've created everything, you know, and, and also like, this is what also I just find baffling about, like how journalists go about, you know, uh, researching these things is, you know, it's first and foremost, people are crazy. And second, someone's trying to hide something from us. And You know you were just talking it's like well well, we didn't really hear about ufos before 1947 and it's like no actually we did we just didn't really have a great way of explaining it and so people were saying all kinds of weird things but i found this report check this out in 1945 two years before the roswell crash it was reported in uh alaska that a Disc flew out of the ocean. It was a naval ship that spotted it and it was worried it would provoke an attack, so it held back firing. 14 members of the crew witnessed it. And because the craft basically circled around it two to three times, everyone was basically able to see it and then it flew off. Right. And this was an, I I, like, because I was doing all kinds of different research. I was looking at articles. I think one of the History Channel shows that I watched that was about alaska was talking about this one incident with this naval ship in 1945 that ended up seeing this disc emerge from the ocean now which is also really if you think about it this is really crazy too because we're not just talking about ships arriving from the skies now we're talking about potential bases underneath the water that these craft are coming out from and now that could be Again, it could be alien, it could be million. I don't care. I don't even know. I just but it's like, what is going on? you know? Right. Right.
1: Uh, well, you know, the ocean, right? And you've got the ocean is just a huge, huge hiding place. <laughs> huge. I mean yeah. we had this w- w- we had an episode early on where we are talking about mysteries under the ocean. It was really like they there was there was all of this um, evidence previous to maybe the mid 1970s that the government had developed and was developing really um sophisticated tunneling machines and then and then that information just dries up and disappears Mm -hmm. and so the 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 tunneling machines that were created were being used in the ocean right and there, there was information on it and then it just like goes away and so when you get to the ocean you have basically a massive playground. If you can work under the ocean and build bases into you know, bedrock and stuff, which they know how to do and which they do, you can do whatever you want down there, whatever you want. And because the, the UFO or UAP and propulsion system creates a, an electromagnetic field, it, can, it just moves through anything. It just moves based off of an right. electromagnetic it, it, it's, field.
0: It, it's got its that, own gravity. It's generating its own, its own. It's yeah. generating its own field, which it's able to just travel however it will in that right. area.
1: Right. So you can you can do whatever you want, develop whatever you want if you've got the space, and and you can hide everything, everything. So it's like when you look at um, what these craft are, UFOs. It's it's not all in one bag, right? you know some people will be like well this it's all our stuff it's all advanced technology that we have or it's all alien stuff right it's not it's like it's a huge mix of things from paranormal type stuff to humans have some of it to literal 3d aliens that (laughs) use it as well because that type you have to remember that that type of craft that dis that disperses gravity and creates a kind of a no-mass situation that works off of a zero-point energy creation, it has been known for a very long time. Down, I mean, think of the Vimana, right? Yeah. Think of the, the Vimana. I mean, this is a type of technology that that other beings have always used. Of course. Of course. I mean, we've we've got that. We've got it. I mean, even in the, is it in the Mahabharata? The ancient Indian text, I'm not sure if it's that or another one, but it actually talks about the propulsion system of the Vamana being a mercury-based um, levitation system. And it goes into details about it. What is it, like fuel off the mercury? <clears throat> yeah, I think so. It's <clears throat> fuel off the mercury. So, so there are di- But there are different ways. It's, there's not just one way to create sure. this. Yeah, there are different types of engines like the 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 alien reproduction vehicle that is supposedly based off of zero point energy which actually the the universe is full of energy like in in just a, a form that you can't see and this somehow is able to convert that energy into zero point so that it's always got fuel
0: right that's the story behind it which makes sense. I mean, a lot of a lot of people who have gotten suppressed have gotten kind of close to that, like Wilhelm Reich. And, you right. know, some of the Who was the guy that you were telling me about who created the the hovering machine by kind of looking at those e- Egyptian beetles? or. Whatever. <clears throat> yeah. Grabennikov. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's that why weird.
0: That's <laughs> super weird. I mean, that was yeah. so weird. Like he made a platform. <laughs> yeah. It looked like, you know what it looked like, like one of the first uh skateboards where it had like a little yeah yeah
1: with the thing
0: yeah the the handle and it was tied to the skateboard and then someone realized you could take the handle off and then just ride the skateboard kind of like in uh back to the future when marty mcfly does that you know he like tears the handle off and then just starts going down railing down the street but it's like you know imagine that and then you're actually just riding around like on a hoverboard those were some of the videos that that we were looking at in that episode, I can't remember which episode that was anymore of metaphysical. We've had about 100 episodes now, if you can believe that. Yeah, which, it's been about 100. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, yeah, it was really painful to get to 100. <laughs> no, not at all. This is fun. Other reports here in 1950, a U.S. Navy pilot recorded a UFO going over 1800 miles per hour. Yeah, and yeah, they, they, they can go faster than the speed of light right i mean 1800 miles an hour compared to the speed of light doesn't sound like even comparable but 1800 miles an hour is ridiculously fast i mean um i I mean if you compare that to i mean in 1950 how fast our planes could fly and then you're you're tracking something going over 1800 miles an hour right that's gonna that's gonna shock you you know now um in ketchikan alaska i hope i pronounced that right if you all are out in alaska um there's a a a super high amount of ufo sightings out there and you know residents in this area they have a good view of 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 the sky uh and the ocean you know because they're right off it's kind of one of those islands on the i don't know what you would call it the pan allegations yeah like that yeah. little area by Juno yeah. that's coming down. So there's a uh, an artist and resident. This guy's name was Terry Piles. He was also a former wilderness guide. These details are important to mention because, you know, we're talking about a guy who's a wilderness, a wilderness guy. He's very familiar with, you know, the terrain of, of Alaska, trying to bring people through it. Um, and he's an artist, so he's visual. And, you know, some of his paintings were like really, quite good, I mean, of like wolves and different things, right? And um, in 2013, he goes out on his deck uh, with his wife and they're just chilling out there. And all of a sudden in the distance where there's like, you know, hilly terrain, he sees like a an object just comes straight down from the sky and it looks like fire orange, right? He's out there with his wife and he's he picks up his binoculars immediately, right? It takes off and another one comes down right after it. All right. He pulls his binoculars up and he gets a close look and he can see that like the I guess the metal uh on the on the disc, whatever it was, was almost like molten and like moving around and stuff. And it was, and it had lights, and the lights were moving around the disc following one another around the disc and then it took off in the same going the same direction as the other craft at like a pretty high speed you know so there's like there's people that you can see and listen to talk about these things they're in their right mind and they're talking about seeing something that they can't explain in in great detail i mean the fact that he i haven't heard many people that have been like I spotted a UFO. I was able to pick up my binoculars and get a closer look and this is what I saw right not many people
1: well i mean I think the the description of it and what he's what he is what he saw I mean that's very strange because I think most people without lifting binoculars to it would probably think, well, just at first glance it's a meteor coming down because of the right. fiery stream that's flowing and 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 you have to wonder like. How is that technology different from, for instance, what the Pentagon showed with the, you know, the little tic tac things? Right. So how is that technology different from that? If it is even different, or if it's in another rendition of its process of moving, I mean, it's weird because some people do describe UFOs like that, like this fiery ball, but hey, there's like lights and windows on it.
0: well i mean maybe it's not maybe it's not hot maybe it's just a transition that the ufo is going through or maybe it does internally um heat itself in order to change like change shape
1: well you You know know i mean there are like in in a lot of cases when people see the glowing the the glowing and you've got the field around it that is it that's part of the propulsion system like We've seen that with remote viewing, like that's caused by the propulsion system and the displacement of gravity in an electromagnetic field. Um, so that's like the that is part of it. But then when you get to the thing that looks like a ball of fire, like what's going on there? You know, what is right. that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've never I've never really heard. Um, you know, I mean, he's quoted as saying a glowing ball of what appears to be fire right like some kind of molten metal and then he also said a cauldron of molten metal with lights chasing um one another around the rim of the disk there was no noise yeah no noise at all really strange
1: yeah these these reports are like way more than you can find at least a dozen other reports that are like basically saying the same thing same general description from all over the world at least at least a dozen probably way more than that and and those are just what people reported like 10ish percent
0: of actual sightings oh dude dude the craziest thing i found i've got to tell you this like there's two insane things that i found one was you know okay there's a lot of people that that study um, these cattle mutilations, right? Sure. These cattle mutilations that are happening are, they're really bizarre because they're one of two things. One is it's satanic rituals that crazy people are doing, and they're using the particular body parts that are being cut out of these animals and the blood for some type of ritual. The other claim is that these are UFOs, that are, or i should say alien uh experimentation that's going on and they're dropping the animals off in different places you know we get a lot of animals going missing and then the animals up, will appear somewhere randomly and they're like precision cuts are made to cut out their genitalia yeah, like a laser did it. right like a laser did it or something like that just but it's way too precise to be anything normal right and Now this is the story that I found that was in 1978, there were a couple of hikers that were out. Um, They wake up in the morning. One of the hikers basically sees something in the distance and it's a flying saucer that comes down. And now we're talking about a half a mile away from them. So he wakes his buddy up and he's like, yo, we gotta go check this out, right? So they, they get up, they, you know, they run over to where the, they saw this, or this guy saw this disc go down. When they get to the landing spot that you know he thought is where it landed, there was no craft, but there was where the craft would have landed, a moose, a bear, a caribou, and get this, a killer whale. We're ta- we're talking oh, about hundreds serious. of miles from the ocean, whale? a killer whale. Hundreds of miles from the ocean, all yeah. had precision cuts in them. Yeah, and and that's it's insane. it's like like hundreds of miles from the ocean, a killer whale. Right. That's I've, okay. I've never heard of like a killer whale just being dropped off in the middle of the mainland United States, and we're like confounded by how it got there. But like right. this is Alaska, you know. Right.
1: Right, right. You're talking about something that people have not seen before. Like, I mean, yeah, we see the cattle, but a killer whale that's with, with precision cuts. That's really fascinating. Wow. I'd never heard of this
0: story. Now, another thing that, that I saw, this was also really interesting that I wanted to tell you about. Now there's a guy who lives in Alaska. His name's Tim Ackerman. And in January 2019, okay Tim Ackerman, this guy he's a hunter okay and he's I believe at least part native okay And now he sees this circle uh, that's made from something landing and melting the snow in this certain area okay and he looks at the the tracks around it and he is just totally baffled by what he's seeing. Now the circle is 32 feet across and he's never seen anything like this before and he's a he's a tracker he's a hunter himself right and he sees f- uh footprints in the snow that he's never in his life seen before a hunter who's never seen tracks like these particular tracks before and the way that he described the tracks were really interesting because it wasn't just tracks that like every he basically the way he described it is every single walking animal or mammal on this planet has to drag their feet a little bit through the snow as they're moving forward these tracks the way that they were put down went straight down and then came straight up (laughs) leaving no trail of moving forward interesting yeah
1: so kind of like stop walking
0: yeah, it's basically like, like they're, they're it's like the st- whatever it is, the hooves, the whatever is just yeah. sticking down. And they likened the tracks to some type of lizard being huh. that might walk like that. But of course, that's a stretch. How could you know? But I don't know. They would, they've seen more stuff than I have. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And so now these, these, uh, 12 separate. Uh, landing areas that created the full circle. They had photos of and everything. Uh, it was really interesting to look at. And what was even more interesting than that is that later on in this episode, Tim Ackerman, this guy, he brings you out to a, a, a place in remote Alaska in the same town where there are native drawings in red ochre on the rocks in like the wilderness there you know, they were a little unclear exactly where these were, but because he's native, he knew where they were, where they were. And what was super interesting is that in on these rock formations, you know, there was like, you know, a man on one of them or like a spirit uh, thing that had been drawn. There was a salmon because salmon is like the most common fish that's eaten in that area. And then there was uh, a wheel on one of the ceilings of the rock. And he was like, "You have to understand why this is weird." He's like, "The natives in this area did not have wheels. There's no wheel technology here. They were trying to draw on the ceiling of this rock." Right, right, right. Yeah, I think that that uh,
1: wheel actually shows up in a lot of petroglyphs, um, usually um, across the southwest um, of the United States. So it's it's something. I mean, you know, actually, we could do. We could actually remote view. and we have, in the past um, just
0: a project on petroglyphs. and what we they should mean. do, yeah, we should collect a bunch of petroglyphs or even hieroglyphs from around the world. You know what you know what? because in, in in like the Egyptian hieroglyphs, for instance, there is one particular hieroglyph that always confounds people, which is the one where it looks like it's an actual incandescent light bulb, for instance. You've right, seen that that's one, the, right? Um,
1: the Dendera light bulb,
0: right? Dendera. It's like right. we could go through and just go through all these petroglyphs with these symbols and stuff like that, and just be like, "What are these things?" You know, right? Right. Yeah,
1: we've done some of that. We did that with that thing, uh, that particular thing. Well, that oh, really? It for show though. All right.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. Very interesting. Yeah. And then, I mean, yeah. Remember, we were we were looking at like the. Um, the pine cones from the right the uh, well then the you've got the the, the the bags that the, the bags yeah hockey, this, right yeah. yeah and then the, the flower tree thing that they have which is all I mean all those right. things are just so right be so interesting to look at but yeah so that was like that kind of blew my mind when you know it went from him seeing these strange tracks
1: You know, and then
0: going and being like, this is what I think it was, because it was like that circle with the (laughs) spokes on it on the rock was next to another formation that was a cross. And there has been reported sightings also of craft in the sky that are shaped like a cross. Right, right, right. Well, you know, then
1: you have, you know, you've got people like Pat Price, um, who was one of the early remote viewers in the CIA program. Yeah. When it was in development through at stanford research institute he was like he was a very talented remote viewer he was he was a he was a guy who could actually at times read words on paper psychically which is a very rare thing because the whole phenomena of remote viewing is more right-brained general descriptive side than actually you know seeing that kind of stuff so he was a very very talented guy and he, he was One of the viewers that was used very early on in the project in order to prove it to the cia and to get more and more funding to create the program and um he like for whatever reason i don't know how he came across this or how he he got tasked on this but he basically saw a ufo base an alien ufo base in
0: mount hayes Mm. in alaska I was just gonna ask where the location of Mount Hayes is. Mount Hayes you
1: know is where is it? It's like near Fairbanks in a, okay it's like it's like this borderland zone of mountains between <laughs> some of the more populated areas like Anchorage and then the rest of Alaska that's just like nothing right right so so he had remote viewed what he said were four different alien bases on the earth um there were a couple of different other locations across the earth and he specifically had focused on mount hayes saying that within there is a is a ufo base that aliens are currently um uh working in so basically what he saw in that place was, he said it appears to be a weather and geological center and has similar security measures or security measures to prevent discovery. He described computer equipment and followed leads on an oscilloscope, which led to a small box like structure which contained rotational antennas that sat on top of a mountain peak that mountain peak. Um, And it was part of a detection system. So he's claiming they have a detection system on the mountain in order to know if anybody's like getting near it. Uh, He thought that he felt remote viewed that the place was um, a place where new recruits would come to um, and and basically um, monitor what's going on on Earth and using it as sort of a control center for coming in and um, uh, others coming in and getting resources from here and being able to like you know, have this as, as an outpost. And he described them as being um, human like or humans, um, mm-hmm. but different heart, maybe bigger eyes, different heart, different lung system, um, but looking very human like, like they could pass as humans. So he, because he was such a good remote viewer, this like particular thing was given to um, people in the program. Uh, that were running the remote viewing program that they likely tasked on later as well right to verify it and in fact we had remote viewed the same thing like we remote viewed what he was talking about and yeah absolutely like you're talking about a team of remote viewers there is a base in mount hayes but not just in there there's like others there's around all around there it's not just limited to that and because you get into an area that is so expansive and deserted They're going to have locations there. And what you often find, if you have some kind of, well, UFO base, or if you have some type of Black Project military installation, you'll find these two are pretty close to each other. Now, whether the humans set up close or they have mm, connection with them, with one, some specific race, like, uh, like alien race, and they work with them, then they'll set up their own thing. So you see this sort of thing go back and forth and back and forth. And it's behind a cover of secrecy, a cover cover of darkness, so much so that just by me saying this makes me sound like I'm completely, utterly nuts. Right? Then when you get into, you know, the disappearing people, especially the native women's, it makes me sound even more nuts. I don't know.
0: That's fact you've got data on that yeah but the fact
1: is that a lot of the people that go missing are related to those things taking
0: the people oh i get that
1: that that makes
0: it even more crazy that makes you sound crazy but what i get why that makes you sound crazy but what makes what baffles me is like are we real like are people as a whole really that unintelligent that they don't put two and two together, like it's not that hard to say. Well, hey, we've got this area here where more people are going missing than anywhere else. I'm not saying it's like you don't have to admit or even believe that it's alien in nature at all, but it's like something must be going on there. Then what's going on? Right. Like start there at least, right? But it seems well, like least people leave it don't open even to possibility, right? Yeah. Yeah, like approach that, right? And and approach that with an open mind and try to figure it out. You know,
1: right? Uh, But most people, most people these days just live in a tiny box with screens in front of them, and the screens are telling them what is and what isn't. That's how most people live. Most people don't live outside anymore. Man, it's like go outside, look up, be in the environment. You're going to see more things, and you're going to you're going to be open to new ideas and other other things that other people are experiencing. But most people literally are just receiving a version of information coming through screens around them pretty much 24 seven. It's insane
0: to me. Insane. Now, I, do I don't really know. You've only mentioned to me the guy's name, Pat Price, before yeah. I can almost guarantee. That. Um, If this guy was telling the truth and if there was really something going on, then the fate of Pat Price probably wasn't a very positive one, was it? Well, yeah. Okay, so Pat, there's a lot of mystery around his
1: death. He died uh, not long after that. It was in the 1970s that he died. So he had, yeah, he he had a meeting in in D.C. So he flew to, I think he lived in... um, on the West Coast, I think California, well, obviously it was probably living around San Francisco Menlo Park because of the program. And he had had to fly to um, D.C. for a meeting with the Naval Intelligence Service, as well as uh, some other agency. And after that, he flew to Salt Lake City and then to Las Vegas to meet with some people that he knew. And when they got him, the people he knew got him from the airport and took him to uh, the Stardust Hotel somebody in the hotel bumped into him now people don't know if it is something or isn't something it's just was an anomaly somebody bumped into him and later on that night he started to have very strange things happening happen to him he started to go into i think convulsions he started to have problems going in and out of consciousness um and eventually he died Just that night he died and they say it was a heart attack, but he had no previous history according to the person who was with him of heart condition. And so a lot of people think that perhaps it was the Russians that killed him um, because of the program that was happening at SRI and how good he was. It's, it's We haven't viewed this particular thing. So that's oh, one no. of the ideas. The Russians killed them because of that. Well, I can see that happening because of what they were doing. These programs, they're layered, right? Like they're layered. What you see on the surface isn't 100% what's going on under the surface. Something else is going on. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what they were working on was, was pretty much akin to what the Russians were doing in that they were trying to figure out ways of communication, energy frequencies, frequencies of telepathy, stuff like that in order to one of the big things was to actually communicate with submarines. Because when when there's communication with submarines, there are signals, you know, uh, low frequency signals, Mm -hmm. right, that they that can be picked up. And so the communications can be picked up. So they have to figure out a different way to communicate with them. And one of those things that people were really trying to figure out was what's the frequency of telepathy, right? How can we use that? He was so good at remote viewing that I'm sure he was part of it now, but he obviously he was meeting with Naval Intelligence, right? Um, so, So it could have been them, but it also could have been somebody else afraid of his abilities because remote viewing and people with these types of abilities is a threat to power structures in general, whether that power structure is across the ocean or your own power structure. Um, so or he could have had a heart attack, truly had a heart attack.
0: Well, since... you don't know. Some gotcha. people
1: even think that, that that his death was faked so that the CIA could take him into they you know, sheep dip him
0: basically. Um, yeah. And but this wasn't the only remote viewer. That you're aware of that's had some strange stuff right, going well, on. Right. We've you're got
1: about- Ingo Swan, right. too.
0: Right. So he and Ingo Swan worked together.
1: Um, and Ingo was basically the godfather of remote viewing because he was responsible for creating the coordinate system, like the, the whole tasking method.
0: Yeah. Pretty brilliant.
1: Yeah. He was brilliant. Um, artist out of New York. And so Ingo, during his career, um, he had somebody from i think it was he said somebody from uh the senate or somebody new in congress or something gave him a call and said somebody's going to be contacting you just do what they say uh, all right <laughs> forgot about it and then he's contacted by a person that he calls axelrod and the person said i need you to do a special remote viewing project for me when can we pick you up or can we pick you up or we are picking you up right now get in the car basically put a hood over his head took him to some like remote oh, underground facility. And it's just him remote viewing things like, like that guy Axelrod is acting as his monitor and Wait, having few so
0: things, right? Th- is this where the infamous Axelrod came into? Like, I mean, we, I've heard of this guy on multiple right. different things. It's not his
1: real name, right? Right. It's not his real name, but yeah, this is the infamous Axelrod and so you know he's got ingo he gives ingo coordinates and in ingo's remote viewing and ingo realizes that this is the moon i'm remote viewing the moon and he's getting de- structures and he's he's basically describing himself freaking out because he never considered aliens and structures on the moon at this point in time and this was this was um i don't know maybe before pat price's remote viewing of alien bases It could have been this whole event that got pat price to remote view alien bases here on earth Mm. and so so ingo's remote viewing these things and getting structures and describing all these structures that axelrod is is going after while axelrod monitors him and eventually ingo remote views what he perceives to be a non-human life form within the structures the moment he does that axelrod gets completely freaked out pulls him off of it and said Did he notice you you have to tell me did he notice you did he notice you and 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 ingo's freaking out like what is this what's going on here because this was like mind-breaking for him you know a whole new concept an idea and and how scared axelrod was of the situation on top of it all right because ingo hadn't considered it and The way Axelrod was acting was like, this is a huge threat and it's very dangerous, even dangerous from the standpoint of remote viewing, right? You are not the quiet ninja that you think you are when you're remote viewing other life forms. (laughs) So, So he goes through all of that. He gets the data from Ingo. Ingo goes back to work, Axelrod goes away. He gets a phone call later from Axelrod saying, we want to take you somewhere. We're going to pick you up at this time and place. So he gets picked up, put over his head. They put him on a jet along with Axelrod and two guys that he claims were twins. He was very tripped out about these guys, possibly clones, but they were like super soldiers that were always around Axelrod. Mm. Um, and they flew weird. for a while. What's that? This is weird. This is weird. So they flew for a while ingo didn't know where he was going he wouldn't tell him where he's going axelrod only told him that you're gonna see something when we get here so they fly all all night and they land early in the morning before the sun is rising in some cold treed location they get in a car drive dirt roads for a long time get to a location it's still dark right sun's not coming up and they hike from that point, they get to a place behind a big, huge rock, and there's like this lake in front of them. And, and so it's Axelrod, the twins, and Ingo all hiding behind a rock. And then Axelrod says, watch the lake. At a certain period of time, this form starts to appear over the lake, it starts to materialize, right, it materializes. And with all these lights, and they're trying to be quiet. Be, he said, Axelrod had told Ingo that if you make any noises, this thing is going to go ballistic, S- twigs snapping, anything, anything. And so they are watching this thing materialize and start to suck up water. And it's a UFO shape, just right over the lake, just sucking up water. And at a certain point, a noise happens, somebody moves, a, a twig snaps, And this thing starts shooting out lasers and firing lasers and trees are getting obliterated. Yes. It was based off of the sound. So any sound, even an animal would get obliterated by this thing protecting itself. Absolutely. No one is to know that this thing was there obviously, and they're hiding behind the rock. So at that point they have to start running because they don't know if it hurt it, it, it them or an animal in the woods or whatever. They have to run. So they took off. They got out of harm's way, out of danger. And on the way back, when they went back to the airstrip that they landed at, it was it was now morning light and there was a plane that said. Mail, Alaska. So this location, probably with pretty much certainty, is in Alaska. And so what we, what we're seeing here, like we remote viewed this too, like we remote viewed this story. This, this story did happen. This did happen to Ingo and his experience. And there is so much going on up there. Right. And, and I'm guessing that, that because of this experience, Pat Price decided he was going to look into, well, are there bases on earth? Right. And because he did that, that, remote viewing material made its way out into official channels. But it's so much more than just the four locations that he viewed. I mean, I have received coordinates of location of a location in um, Alaska that is not Mount Hayes, but in the general region of another one. Denali? Right? Near Denali? In that area, yes. Yeah. Yes. That so, area is supposed to be a hotspot. Right, 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 right. So so we're talking about. Land with no people, it's very easy to set up shop there and get resources as well. Of course, you got cold, but on the other side of that, you've got rivers, lakes, et cetera, et cetera, to pull
0: resources from. What the heck, dude, that that story is nuts. I've never heard that before. Yeah,
1: well, you got to ask the question. Why did Axelrod get so concerned when he, know, when he thought that perhaps one of the aliens had noticed Ingo during the remote viewing session? Why did he get so concerned? What experience did Axelrod have in the past with psychics remote viewing aliens and, and Axelrod knowing that if the aliens notice the viewer,
0: bad things are going to happen, right? that's crazy the implications of that are
1: you can actually watch i did a video on that there's a i've got a video on rise tv where it's where it goes into that a bit and and why axelrod uh knew and what his experience was
0: (laughs) so this is an episode on chronicles of a psychic spy
1: in part there's a little bit yeah it's it's like i just went into the axelrod thing uh because we had viewed like what experience did axelrod have to to know this
0: right yeah yeah. Well, you guys, you guys watching right now, uh, if you want to support John and my work, you can actually get a subscription to Rise.tv. You can watch John's series, Chronicles of a Psychic Spy. And uh I have tons and tons of series on uh Rise.tv um that basically will keep you watching for oh, hundreds yeah. of hours. It's like great. endless
1: content. It's, yeah, like it's incredible, like,
0: incredible over there. It's like five like over five hundred videos it's it's out of control now yeah Um, that's always being posted there always yeah yeah for sure uh but this has got me super amped up because next episode we're gonna have to try to answer the question why are there all of these ufo sightings in alaska what's in alaska or more importantly what's underground in alaska and if you think this episode was crazy just wait until we go through what we found, because it is opening up a can of worms that you can really only open up on this show. Metaphysical. We, we end up finding stuff. And, Metaphysical. Uh, I, we go there. I, <laughs> we really do go there. And the other thing is, like, I have to say, John, you and I have both been doing this work for a really long time. But consistently, when you and I are working together... We come across things that were like, how have we never heard of this before? I know, like, I'm thinking like, there's all these Mandela effects happening or something. I don't
1: know I don't what's know. going
0: on. And <laughs> it's like, how did I not know this? I think, and I think like the only reason I think maybe we can find some of this stuff is like we're just constantly researching, and then it's everything ends up getting connected over time, and then we're just we're never gonna run out of stuff to. I know I Do videos on it's 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 pretty crazy, but we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please leave us a comment uh, in you know the comments below. Let us know what you thought. If there was any questions that we didn't answer that you guys would like us to answer, we could potentially do on a future episode. Um, and for everyone out there supporting us, um, thank you so much. And again, if you'd like to support our work, you can go to rise.tv and uh, get a subscription over there. Uh, it's pretty, pretty inexpensive uh, and you'd be helping us out a lot. And um, yeah, John, did you have anything else to add before we um... stick around? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stick around. Stick around is a good one. All right, well, you guys, I uh, hope you guys thought this episode was as out of this world as we did.